Thanks, Will. Good morning, everybody. Ah, that's pretty good. Not bad for a Sunday morning. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it's great to see you. I see most people still dressed for the sunshine, even though it's slightly gone in today. I was in a dilemma as to whether to come and preach in shorts or not. I have no problem with preaching in shorts. I just thought I might be cold because I'd looked at the weather forecast anyway. It's fine. Um, this morning we're taking a break from our, uh, well we've taken a couple of weeks break um, technically from our year of biblical literacy uh, journey. It's been going on a long time and I don't know about you but I'm loving it. Um, I did put a blog up this week. If you haven't read that already I was basically saying if you're behind you're probably not as far behind as I am. So um, just stick with it anyway because it's great stuff. So you can, you can read that in the e-press if you like. Um, we are starting a new series in Job next week. Uh, and there is a lecture on Deuteronomy tonight, as uh, Will has just told us. Um, so uh, although this morning isn't a biblical literacy focus, we're jumping right back on that uh, next week. And after Job, in fact, we'll be jumping towards the end of July into the book of Daniel as well. So that's really exciting. Um, today, though, we're going to update you, do something different. We're going to update you on our global partners, uh, a bit of a mission update on what is going on. Um, I have been around church church and churches a long time and uh, every now and then I would bump into somebody and um, they would, um, oh, sorry Mark, I'm going to diss the prophets again, sorry, sorry about this. I bump into these people and they would say to me, I would say, what do you think God is saying? And I've heard people from many churches in many different spaces say, what I really think God is saying is that he wants to bring his kingdom and his, and some people use the word revival, and he wants to bring his power and he wants to do something here, right here. God wants to bring his kingdom here. And then from here, he wants his kingdom to go out to the nations. This is where God is going to bring revival and then it's going to go out to the nations. Have you ever heard anything like that from a Christian ever? Because I have, and I've been around a lot of Christians, and I'm, I'm really not dissing them, but I've heard it from lots of different people in lots of different places. And I started to scratch my head and think, how can God want to do that there? They're saying, you know, that, so I, I've been to, um, I don't know, pick a random city, the church is in Sirencester. And I'd say, what do you think God's saying to Sirencester? And they would say, we think God is saying he wants to bring revival in Sirencester. And from there, he wants to go to the nations. And then I'd go to the churches in Birmingham and I'd say, what do you think God is talking, wanting to do here? And I'd hear them say stuff, something like, he wants to bring revival in Birmingham. And you know, I moved down here eight and a half years ago and people say, God wants to bring revival in Winchester and from Winchester to the nations. And I was going, oh yeah, I've heard this before. I wonder how it can be that God would do that in all those different places. Is that right? Or are they all hearing wrong? Or are they hearing it right it's a dilemma until I worked it out that actually God wants to do that everywhere and that anybody who bothers to listen to what God is saying will hear him whisper something similar which is I want to come where you are and from where you are I want to go out I thought oh okay of course that's fine in that case they're all right and that's fine because it took me a little while to work that out. I was like, is it you or is it them over there that he wants to really come to? Or is it them over there? I don't really know. Anyway, it turns out that God is ascending God. And it even goes right back to the beginning of the Bible. And actually the story of God is wherever his people are, he wants to come and he wants to bless them and he wants to meet with them. And from there, he sends them out. We read it in the Old Testament the people of Israel, that was God's call on them. We read it in the New Testament, that's what we're going to talk about today. 
We read about it since the New Testament and we've experienced it over history. And God is ascending God. It is his heart. And, and so part, part of God's plan is to send people to the nations. We've just sung actually. Have you noticed we sang in, in one of those worship songs this morning, lead me in your love. We said, I will build my life upon your love and, uh, and, and my prayer is that you would lead me in your love to those around me. There is a sending out or a going out in the heart of God that actually an all, it, it applies to all of us. And it can be really easy for us kind of, to focus only on what's around us locally, our vision, our community, our church, our family, our friends, our town, our city, even our country. Boy, our country is in a mess and it needs some focus at the minute, it needs some prayer. But what we aim to do as a church regularly, at least three or four times a year, is to make sure that we also lift our focus beyond our borders and do something often in relation to the issues of, of uh, justice and compassion, you know, how can we do something to bless what God is doing further afield? You know, we had Sam Miller from Open Doors here earlier in the year, and we were able to generate, you guys were generous, and we were able to give towards sending Bibles to Christians who are st- struggling in persecuted countries. We prayed last week for the persecuted church. And we also aim to update and remind you about our global partners and what's going on mission-wise around the world, and that's what we're doing. So normally, at this time of the year, we hold an offering for Caris Kids that will mention just. We actually hold a special offering to pay for either their summer camp or depending which year it is their um, secondary education fund we're not actually doing that today we're going to do it in the autumn we're going to do it at the end of September and um, we're going to do a big um, a big offering uh, focus there um, but back in March when we shared this news earlier in the year we also introduced you to David Leswell some of you will remember him him and his family who used to be part of this church and he talked about their quest their journey to sort of try and hear God about they think that the Lord's calling them to go to Bosnia and uh, you're able to catch up with them by the way they're going to be here again um, not necessarily speaking from the front but they'll be around here on the 14th of July so if you're part of their story and their journey and want to catch up with the Leswells um, they'll be coming through and so today as I give you an update on our various global partners I want to encourage us as we support them it might be that you might particularly click in with one of those partners or maybe you click in with all of them maybe you're already part of their story maybe you're already giving to them or praying for them or supporting them in some way Um, I'm going to give you an update and show you a couple of videos later but first I'd love us to look at the Bible together and we're going to look at the book of Acts and we're going to look at chapter 13 and I've been very kind to you today I have actually reproduced the text up here but you can also go to your Bible and just check that it's there make sure I'm not you know making it up or anything like that Um, and I'm going to read three verses from Acts chapter 13 Uh, and this is about the calling of Paul and Barnabas, Saul as he was called then, and Barnabas from the church in Antioch to go off to the nations. So it says here in Acts 13, now in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. There was Barnabas, there was Simeon called Niger, there was Lucius of Cyrene, there was Manaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and there was Saul. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. And so after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And that's kind of the precy to the whole beginning of the story of Paul's missionary journeys. And the next few chapters start to say what happens when Paul and Barnabas um, went off and went abroad um, and started to preach the gospel. The book of Acts actually does what it says on the tin. The full title is the Acts of the Apostles. And it's a story, mainly a narrative. And it describes what happened to Jesus' followers, and it's quite a specific time 
frame, it's about in the 30 to 40 years after Jesus had uh, ascended back to heaven. It talks about how they're through their actions um, and through their preaching and through their traveling, um, the Christian message spread and the church grew. Um, if, you ju- if you look back to Acts uh, chapter 1, you don't need to look there, but um, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, just before Jesus ascends, the last thing he's recorded as saying to his disciples is you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And effectively the rest of the book of Acts then describes that process of what's, what went on. So in chapter 2 to 7 you read about what happened in Jerusalem and how the gospel was preached in Jerusalem and how the church grew in Jerusalem, dramatic events, how Peter stepped up on Pentecost and how people, the, the community of believers grew rapidly, locally. And then chapters 8 to 12 describe how it goes a little bit more regional, you know, around from, Jude, in, from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. We read about how this rapidly growing movement was subject to actually then intense persecution and how as a result of that, Um, the believers started to scatter and spread out to the towns and cities right across the region and then further afield here's a little map for those of you who want to see that so it starts in Jerusalem down here and this is just a map of where the believers started spreading out to you know from once uh, just even in the in the in the immediate aftermath of persecution um, and you'll see up from Jerusalem there you get Phoenicia and then the next one is Antioch oh I think I might have a laser I can do that. There, look at that. Oh, I feel like a proper lecturer now. Um, there's Antioch, which is where this story takes place. And actually, um, this whole spreading out, you know, it didn't take long before it had completely uh, taken, well, almost taken over Europe and even up to Britain by 300, 300 years after Jesus' death. So all of that happened as a result of these three verses that we're going to read about, that we've just read about, and that we're going to talk about this morning. And so chapter 13 is where this whole story picks up, with Paul and Barnabas being sent out further. Antioch was already a regional base, and they're being sent out from Antioch further than just the region into what will later be described as Paul's first missionary journey. And so that's the context. This passage is about being sent, being sent out. And on the face of it, the process of being sent seems very forward. You just, very straightforward. You just go. Um, but what I want to do is just explore three aspects of being sent that we see in this passage and think how that applies to us here. When, as we think about sending people out. And I want to talk about calling. I want to talk about being equipped. And I want to talk about commissioning. So we're talking called, equipped, and commissioned. And so the Holy Spirit said to the church in Antioch, we read in verse 2 there, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. It seems that God had a special and particular role for these two characters, Paul and Barnabas, to fulfill. And it meant for them leaving the place where they were, being relieved of their duties and responsibilities there, and moving on. The definition of calling is a strong urge towards a particular way of life, a particular career, a particular vocation. Sometimes we think of the word calling Um, to describe maybe somebody who enters the priesthood or something like that. But I actually think that calling describes any vocation that God is calling us to. We might not use the word, but I think it's a really important concept to think about. You know, for a couple of years, I was a primary school teacher, and I really enjoyed that and learned a lot from it, but I knew it wasn't my long-term calling. 
I knew that I wasn't called to be a teacher long term. I didn't quite know what I was called to be, but I knew I wasn't called to be a teacher. But I also recognized that there were many people, and there are here, who are called into that profession to be teachers. And I just knew that this was a really important experience for me, but not what my calling was long term. Does that make sense? And so maybe, I don't know what your calling is, I don't know what your vocation is, and maybe, you're, maybe that's what you're living out through your work, hopefully, or what else you're doing. But actually, as Christians, we all have a calling. Irrespective of what we do for a job, we have a calling. Whatever else we do, we are called to be representatives of Jesus in every place we go. We're called to be scattered servants who represent and share the love of Jesus to everyone we meet in every context that we're in. Whatever we're doing, wherever we are, we carry the presence of God. It means that we have an influence. It means we can make a difference. You know, I love what Paul Phillips says. He says, never leave a place the same as when you arrived. In a good way, by the way, he means. <laughs> we all have different callings and we all have different spheres of influence. Some of us are called to make a difference locally in our house, in our family, in our street, in our playground, in our school, in our college or workplace or office or community group or pub or local shops, wherever it is, literally wherever we are, we're called to make a difference. Where we live and work, we're called to be influencers and to represent the kingdom of God. There's somebody who um, I know who is part of this church and uh, has had quite a long journey, I would say, in her faith, but recently discovered that she uh, living in a house and discovered that her neighbours needed a place. They were just overcrowded. They've got some refugees living next door. Okay, they've just moved in. There's a big family. They're in a tiny house and just overcrowded. And she was able just to say to them, hey, would some of you like to come live in my house? Share the space. You know, I was just blown away when I heard that story. We both were. We were just blown away. You know, it reminds me of a story John Wimber told about somebody who went, uh, came to see him. John Wimber's the guy who started the vineyard movement back in um, California a few years ago. Somebody came to see him. He said, John, I've had this homeless guy living in my house for two weeks now. I met him on the street. I took him home and I gave him a bed and I gave him some clothes and I gave him some money. And what I want to know is, John, what is the church going to do about this? John said the church is already doing something about this. You are. And we're all called to make a difference where we are. Some of us may also be called to have an influence further afield. Maybe we work in another town or a city. And we're part of helping life to flourish there. You know, I do this chaplaincy round and I meet people who work in Winchester. I meet people who work in the shops and I meet people who work in the council. And I'm always surprised by how many of them don't actually live in Winchester. They come into Winchester to work there. And I always make a point when I find that out of saying, well, thank you. Particularly to the ones who work for the council because they don't always get an easy ride. I go to the planning department. They get a load of grief off loads of people, you know. Um, but I say to them, well, I just want to say from a Winchester resident, thank you for coming and working to make this place a better place. We appreciate it. And maybe that's, what you're, you're, maybe that's what you do as part of your everyday. Maybe you're responsible for investing in people or communities in different parts of the region or even different parts of the world. Maybe your role carries a wider influence than just this area. Maybe you're a regional manager or you're an overseer of something or maybe you're creating services or products that are just going to go out and have an influence worldwide. 
Or maybe just even outside of work, you know, as part of church, you've been involved in a ministry trip or going to a different community or praying for someone in a different church or in a different city or in a different country. And maybe you've gone to help or encourage some believers in a different part of the world or a different part of the region, plant a church or... It's worth reflecting on where are my spheres of influence? Where am I called? What is our calling? You know, sometimes I chat to people who find themselves in a place... And they don't really know why God has called them there. And sometimes it is just a question of obedience. It's God has definitely told me to go here. I'm just waiting to find out why. But other times it's, I don't know if I am where God's called me to be. And if that's where we are, then that's a, I would just encourage you to take time to press into God and ask him why. Maybe this is a great excuse to spend more time praying and listening. You know, prayer walking in a particular area is a really good practice. Just trying to hear God's heart. Am I in the right place, God? Have you put me here or are you moving me somewhere else? And without wishing to unduly unsettle anyone, okay, it could be if you find that consistently you're not hearing from God, maybe it's because he's inviting you to consider a move or a change. I'm not necessarily talking about a change of location, maybe just a change of role or something, I don't know. Anyway, that's a bigger issue and we'd love to talk more about that if we come come talk to me if that if we can be helpful on that score but the truth is we're all sent and we can make the mistake of thinking that our church only sends people to places far and away and updates us on them three times a year but the truth is we're all sent out from this church every Sunday to go and bring the presence of God in the places that we are Monday to Saturday we're not Anglicans but if we were we might use a prayer that looks like this because this is part of the Anglican service and I, every time they celebrate communion together they pray this prayer and they say this and love these words here send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. How many of you have been to an Anglican and just said and said that? And how many of you have like gone, yes, that's what I'm, oh, Monday morning, <laughs> great. Every week we are commissioned to go to our homes, our streets, our communities, our workplaces in the power of the Spirit, and we need to know what God's doing. And we need to know what we're expecting of him. What is it that you want or expect or need God to do this week? Where are you working this week? What is God doing? How are you going to partner with him? in the things he's doing. We are all sent. And it's really important that I say that before I talk about the rest of what I want to talk about this morning. Because actually, that's all true. And then some of us are also called further afield. And this is a, another um, map. This is of Paul's first missionary journey. So it started, as you see, in Antioch. And you can read all about that in the chapters of Acts after the one that we're looking at today. But it is true that some of us, while we're all sent somewhere, some of us are sent further. Maybe that's further geographically or maybe that's further culturally to minister. And that was true of Paul who, by the way, in this passage was still called Saul. It changes in a couple of chapters time. Um, and Barnabas. And this passage describes their calling and how it was that that was acknowledged and recognized by their church in Antioch who then commissioned them and sent them out onto this epic missionary journey. Um, as you know, much of the rest of Acts describes the story of these journeys and Paul's incredible ministry of preaching and teaching and raising up churches and raising up leaders and establishing churches right across the Middle East and right across even into Europe, which as far as they were concerned was the ends of the earth because they didn't really know that there were further ends to the earth. That was just what they knew at the time. And so thinking back to Acts chapter 1, this is where the ends of the earth starts. The, you know where it says, to the ends of the earth? That phrase, it begins in this passage, Acts 13. 
okay, with the calling of two faithful apostles to leave the church where they have been serving and to go and preach the gospel further afield. And you could argue that Paul and Barnabas, you could argue that if they hadn't fulfilled that call, it's amazing, isn't it, the significance of those three little verses. If they hadn't have done that, if they hadn't have fulfilled that call, or if the church hadn't recognised that and commissioned them and sent them out, actually maybe none of us would be here right now. This is a really key point in the story. And the moment of commissioning is really significant, but that isn't where the story started because both Paul and Barnabas have a backstory. And so I want to talk about the next part, which is being equipped. Okay? Being equipped for this calling. Um, there was quite a lot that went on before this moment in history. And you can read about both their origin stories back a little bit in Acts. Um, First of all, Barnabas, there's not a lot written about Barnabas, but from what is written, we can infer that he was a really good man. It says he was a godly man. He was generous and he was godly. He was committed. He brought a, he brought a field. Uh, he sold his field, so he brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Uh, we, we read that he was nicknamed the son of encouragement. That was his kind of nickname. Um, Paul's background, as you probably know, was a little bit different. Paul had a much more dramatic conversion story. He's probably better known. He was brought up as Saul, a religious and educated Jew, and was quite busy building himself a reputation as a murderer of Christians, which you can read about here. And this is the end of the story of Stephen. When they stoned Stephen, uh, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet, the guy who looked after the coats while all the people threw the stones at him to kill him was a young man called Saul. And that's where Saul's origin story starts as far as the Bible's concerned. And so in the aftermath of Saul's then dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus, you know, the apostles were understandably nervous around him. You've been converted, right. Okay, you sure you're not just a spy or whatever? Um, and in fact, it was Barnabas who vouched for him. It was Barnabas who said, no, I can see that this guy's really changed. It's genuine. And the apostles went, mm, fair enough, but we're still going to send him away to, back to his hometown, Tarsus, for a bit, just, to, just till things settle down a bit. And so that's Paul and Barnabas' origin story, but there's an origin story for the church as well. And you can read that in Acts 11. And this might be a bit little, I tried to get it all on because I wanted you to see this map as well. So I'm just going to read to you a few verses from Acts 11. Um, and this is the story of how the church in Barnabas, sorry, the church in Antioch got going. It says, now those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So that's the first chapter, first paragraph. There's a church started in Antioch. And it's not just a, a, a church of believers who came from Jerusalem back there. It's a church of believers who then came and witnessed, the, preached the gospel in the town, and many people turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Let's send one of our good guys over there to lead the church that seems to be emerging. When he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done and he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He's a good pastor, was Barnabas, I think. Pastor, teacher, preacher, apostle. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So Barnabas, his ministry also resulted in significant church growth. This is important to note. And then, 
25, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. This is where, they, this is where we get our name from. Okay? And so from this passage, we can see that prior to Paul and Barnabas being called and commissioned, there really was a very important season of preparation and equipping. And part of that was about both of them having the chance to develop a track record of fruitful ministry. You see, while it's true that they both had significant calling, it actually didn't come about until both of them seemed to have proved themselves in ministry. You remember the parable of the talents that Jesus said? He says, if you've been faithful with the little things, then God will let you... If you've been faithful with the little things, God will trust you with the big things. And there's a principle there that Jesus talked about that's going on here as well. If you can handle a small responsibility and you can grow in it and you can be fruitful in it, you've then got a track record to handle a bigger responsibility. And that's a lot of what was going on in here in Antioch in this time before Paul and Barnabas were sent out. There was a whole year before they were sent out. And they, had, they were developing a track record of fruitful ministry. And I just found this quote this morning that says, fruitfulness exists in the heart. And I think that's really, really important. Barnabas had already shown his character and humility in Jerusalem. Um, and then when he's sent to Antioch to encourage this fledgling church, and under his leadership, the church continues to grow and flourish. That's a track record of fruitful ministry. And not only that, but Barnabas then realizes there's much to do and he thinks back to Saul and he thinks, I need him to help me and I'll go and get him and he brings him back. Remember Barnabas, the son of encouragement. This is a leader who was prepared to take risks for the kingdom of God. So Barnabas decides to personally champion Saul. I imagine, I'm just using my imagination now because it's not written down, but what I imagine happened is quite a lot of mentoring and training of Saul. I imagine that Saul wasn't fit for ministry just ready yet. I mean, I'm sure he was passionate. I can imagine a few interesting conversations going on because, you know, Paul has changed from being passionate against Christians to being passionate for Jesus. Um, I I don't know. I'm just using my imagination. But my guess is that Barnabas and Saul had this ongoing mentoring relationship and through it, Paul, Saul grew. Um, My guess is that Barnabas looked at Saul and realized that there was a massive calling on his life and thought, somebody better help get this guy going. You know, because Paul hadn't yet had the opportunity to develop a fruitful ministry. Paul didn't have the track record. Saul didn't have the track record. He had a track record, but not the kind of one they wanted, you know. Um, He wasn't ready for the world stage, as it were. He needed time to grow. And I think Barnabas recognized that and took the trouble to train him. And... um, I'm guessing that it's like that. I could be wrong. Um, But what is clear is that for both of them, the fruit of their ministry is further growth in the church. And in fact, by the time we get to Acts chapter 13, the passage I read at the start, there's not only two leaders, there's a group of five prophets and leaders and pastors. So even the leadership team has grown while the church has grown. Just as an aside, it takes an incredible caliber of leader to mentor and train someone when they spot potential and think, this guy's probably going to be better than I am. It can be so tempting to just kind of hold people back because you don't want to be shown up or look bad. You know? Just, a, just, a, just an aside. Anyway, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when God calls people to a significant role or to a greater responsibility, maybe that's a leadership role or maybe it's a specific mission uh, step, he often doesn't send them 
until they've had some preparation time. And that preparation time, which might be a few months or a few years or many years, usually, often, nearly always involves ministry at a local level. And I don't mean people who've served on a staff team, but I do mean people who are involved in their local church. So many of you know Josh and Amy, who we sent out earlier this year to uh, Southeast Asia. Um, They both, before they went out, they both served for several years, actually, significantly in our church. They'd led life groups. They'd been involved in ministry teams. they'd They'd just been around the church and investing and doing. And they were really... You know, when they came and they invited us to be there, they said, will you be our sending church? We feel called to go where we're going and please will you send us? And one of the key factors in us deciding whether or not we felt we could do that was to look at their track record and look at their character and look at the fruitfulness and say, well, have you inve- is what you're talking about proven at a smaller and local level first? And with them, in their case, it absolutely was. They'd both served humbly and faithfully right from the get-go. They'd stepped up, they'd tried to grow. They've been open to encouragement. They've proved themselves teachable. And by the way, you can catch up with Josh and Amy via their emails or by WhatsApp um, if you need to do that. It can be tempting just to sit on these words from God that we've had sort of maybe declared over our lives and wait for them to come about. And sometimes patience is necessary, but usually it's not a passive waiting. It needs to be an active, intentional time. There is always something we can be doing or learning or praying about while we're waiting. And I've noticed that the people who God calls further afield are usually the people who are already serving locally or leading in their sphere of influence, no matter how small it may seem to be, first. Because that's where the training is undergone. These are the ones who've faced the difficult issues. These are the ones who've begun to deal with some of their emotional pain. These are the ones who've grown in their spiritual and emotional health. And that's what I mean by a period of preparation. That's what happened to Paul and Barnabas. And it's the reason that when God did speak clearly about setting them apart for, the church, for this work, the church were able to respond so wholeheartedly and say, yes, that's it. They are called to this. We can see that. We recognize that on them. It's something they've been prepared for. They, we, these guys have a track record. They have a fruitful ministry. And sometimes people come and they talk to us about what God is calling them to long term. They say, they say, I've had these words over my life. I feel like God is telling me to... You know, they've had a significant prophetic word. Or sometimes people just come and they say, this is my vision. This is my big dream. Sometimes people come and they let us know that they've already had leadership experience, perhaps in another church. And sometimes, just sometimes, they kind of suggest or imply that we might want to give them a leadership opportunity here. And we would love to do that, but we just don't do it straight away because we want to look for someone's track record. And so often I just, I want to I honour and bless what God is doing with people. But if we don't know them, we just need a bit of time to get to know them. We need to, time to see if what they're saying matches up with what they're doing. And so my response is to smile and welcome them as I would anyone. And then I watch and see what they do next. I just watch. Do they actively look for ways to get behind our vision and serve the community of this church? You know, do they see where the gaps are and then humbly step into them? Or do they hang around waiting to be noticed or asked to do some special upfront role? And you can usually tell pretty quickly with someone's body language. Only takes a few weeks usually to see where someone's really coming from. Are they the kind of people that are happy to stack chairs, sweep floors, pick up rubbish or wash the dishes? You know? I don't do this, but sometimes I think I might. Just act, act, you know, just deliberately leave rubbish lying around and see who picks it up. I don't do that. I'm not, I'm not that cruel. <laughs> Is it you know, and, and 
they would be really embarrassed if I, told, if, I, if I did this publicly, but actually all of our worship leaders, we just know them to be people of absolute character. We know them to be people who weren't looking for position, who weren't looking for a platform, but who are just humble and they serve the Lord and they do it in a whole number of ways. And we watch that because we don't really let anybody come up here until we've seen that that's the case. And um, so, Johnny and Beth here today? Johnny and Beth are two of the most humble people I've ever met. Um, and, uh, you know, before we sent them out to where they went in Central Asia, you know, bef- before we sent them out there a few years ago, they were just really happy to serve in the small groups and they were just really happy to get involved in people's lives and to lead very small and unpopular prayer meetings. And when they came and said, God is calling us to Central Asia, we felt sad because we wanted them around here, honestly. But it was clear that God had spoken to them and it was absolutely clear that they had a track record. And so it was actually easy to bless and send them. And now they're back. And they're actually going to be starting a regular prayer time, a prayer meeting. So you can catch up with that too, focusing on the work that they've been doing over in Central Asia. We love hearing about what people are called to do. We love people hearing these stories about when God speaks. But we're also really keen to find out what people are doing about that now. And so we ask questions like, you know, um, how are you doing with the basics? You know, reading the Bible and praying. Which life group are you in? What team do you serve on? Um, what are you doing in this season of your life to prepare for this possible future call? How have you served? What sphere of influence do you have? And how are you investing in it? What's your track record in ministry? I mean, that sounds like an interview and it wouldn't be that dramatic. But those are the kinds of questions that I'm looking for the answers to. How have we sought to grow in our character and our relationship with Jesus? Because if we think that the challenges we face here are tough, moving to a different place that's a long way away and a different culture, honestly, the challenges we face here are nothing compared to the challenges we'll face further away. And so the truth is how we were learning, the, the, the key question is how we're learning to rely on Jesus through the good and the bad times in the local, in the here and now. What are we doing to proactively invest in our relationship with Jesus? Who is influencing us? Who have we invited to speak into our lives? And I'm not suggesting that people arrive here fully formed, of course not, but I am look- we are looking for signs of character and attitude. This stuff's really important. And it's important to help us, by which I mean not just Joe and I, but all of us recognise and acknowledge the call that's on some people's lives. And you, you know what I'm talking about. You may not have voiced it like this, but you know what I'm talking about because many of you have invested in the lives of some of these global partners that I'm about to talk about. Some of you have done that already and you've seen the call that's on their lives and you've witnessed to this character that I'm talking about. But the preparation is really, really key. And so we've talked about called and equipped and lastly commissioned. Commissioning. After this time of preparation, the leadership group of this church in Antioch, which had grown to five people, you know, were ready to, were ready to lead the church as the whole church. It says, it says the whole church were in worship and fasting. The implication is it's the whole church, not just the leadership group. But it's the whole church who heard the Holy Spirit, who acknowledged the call and who laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas and said, right, off you go, guys. In God's name and with our blessing, we send you out from here. There is a sense very much that it was a commissioning and a sending out from the whole church and not just one or two leaders. It was with the love and support of the whole church that Paul and Barnabas undertook this missionary journey. It was a significant 
that was significant then and it's significant now. You know, when Joe and I, I've probably shown you this before, but when Joe and I left our old church in Birmingham, I know that Winchester, Birmingham to Winchester is not quite as far as some of the journeys we're talking about, but it was a big step for us when we left and our church gave us this, oh, that's not it. Can you, can you all just look at this picture? Because I actually paid $5 for this picture this morning. So can we all just look at that? It was the best picture I could find of uh, Paul and Barnabas's. Yeah, great. Okay. Um, what happened when, our ch- when we stepped out is our church gave us this. And um, it get, I met, actually met a stonemason the other day at a party. And it was really good because I had something to talk to him about. And I said, oh, I've got this thing that was made. And, and when, when the person who made it got it made, she said that the guy was really happy to make something for somebody who was alive. And it's a, it's a big, massive bit of granite. And if you come to our house, it's just outside the front door. It's there in the garden. Um, and that's what they sent. They gave us, step out with our love. They gave us a step. And, um, you know, when we came here, we very, very much felt that we were sent out by our whole church. I mean, okay, we have relationship with some people. Um, and we obviously have a relationship with, with particular people, but the whole church, and I realise it isn't possible to relate with everyone individual in a church community in the same way, but there is that sense that the whole community is behind you. And that's how we try and think of those that we send out from here. We very much try to think about those who have been sent out as part of our church, but in a different location. Very much sharing our vision and our heart and our mission and our values. And um, so how does that look practically? It boils down to three key areas. It boils down to communication and relationships. And of course, that's easier these days than it was for Paul and Barnabas. (laughs) It's even easier than it was for my uncle and aunt who spent the 70s and the 80s in Africa. Um, and had to write sort of, um, you know, airmail letters and things. It's, it's even easier than it was for Paul and Katie when they were in the Middle East 15 years ago because I don't think smartphones and that stuff existed then. Um, anyone can listen to our services online from anywhere. So there is that sense of connection and we can keep in touch. And once in a while when people come back, we really try and make an effort to hear from them. We don't always have the airtime to put them up front for a long time, not as much as we'd like to, but we always encourage them to organise an event, a party or something, so people can come and hang out with them and catch up and pray. And uh, you'll hear in a minute, we're going to watch a video from Larissa and Ned in a few minutes, but you'll hear that they're they're due to be over here for three weeks at the end of August, beginning of September, which is really exciting. The second thing we can do is we can pray. We're going to do that this morning. We can stay in touch with what's going on and we can stay in touch with what people are celebrating. And if you're on someone's mailing list... If you receive a prayer email or a prayer WhatsApp or a prayer message uh, from someone, do you know what I've learned? It's a really, really good thing to do. It's just to send a, a, even just a one-line email back saying, thank you, we are praying. Paul told me that when you guys were in the Middle East, he'd send out 30 or 40 emails and sometimes hear nothing back. He said, even the people who just wrote back and said, thanks, we're praying, that meant a massive amount. I mean, you know, obviously go further than that. Write back, tell, you how, tell them how you are, have a conversation. But at the very least, if someone sends you some prayer requests, it'd be great to just acknowledge them and say, hey, yeah, we're praying. And lastly, giving, financial support. You know, often just one of the most practical ways to support these global partners, these people who've been sent out from here is through finance. Often living abroad is really expensive and they often don't have the way to earn money while they're there that they may maybe need to do. And each of our people has different models and different needs and different ways of giving. And we have a church mission budget and some with, for some of our partners, we're able to help them with our church mission budget. But we can't do that for everyone. Um, and we can't do, even if, even if we do, it's not very much um, compared to what they need. And so we're one of a group of their supporters. And each of our partners, before they have moved, 
will have needed to have developed a group of supporters who are prepared to sow financially into their vision and invest in this calling. And that in itself isn't easy to do. Um, but what we can do here is we have a platform where anyone can give to any of our partners through our church website. So um, you can do that. You can go onto the Global Partners part of our website. You go onto the Donate button and uh, you can do that to any of our partners. And because we do that here, the gift aid goes through as well. And um, that's really good. If we're not, Even if we're not able, I know that many of you generously give to our Global Partners over and above your regular church giving. Um, and that's much appreciated by them and it's much appreciated by God. Um, because you know that when we give, when we sow into someone's journey with our money, we're really becoming part of their story. And that's really important. So even if we're not able to travel far away to cultures and, cultures and countries, and if we're not able to preach the gospel um, up in, uh, across the seas, we can literally buy into those stories. And so just really briefly, you can see here that, I don't know if you can see those blue things, we have five uh, global partners. We've already mentioned Johnny and Beth. Let me just remind you who they are. The first ones uh, that I'm going to talk about, they're in no particular order here, are Ned and Larissa. And in fact, Ned and Larissa have a video that we're going to play you in just a second, and they're going to update you on what's going on over uh, with Shores of Grace um, in um, Brazil. Here you go. Hi, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Ned and Larissa here from Brazil, Recife, and we're just really excited to send you guys a little bit more about what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. So since the last time that we sent you a video, we have received a team from the UK that came here to see what we do. They visited our home, they visited the ministry, and they saw everything that happens around here. It was amazing to see them and to see the connections that God made during their time here. Yeah, it was a really special time for mm -hmm. us and for the communities. Yes. So we work with Shores of Grace, it's a ministry here in Brazil that wants to see prostitution end. We have many different ministries that um, all have this one goal, and Ned and I work with the communities yep. specifically. Mm -hmm. And so we also have the Avenida, which is the avenue uh, where we work with the women who are in prostitution. We have Street Church that works with the homeless and the Villa Betania, which is the safe home that we have. And we're working on the cafe right now as well. And yeah, sometimes we work with the communities, but sometimes we get the opportunity to go and see other ministries. And one of the core values of Shores of Grace is urgency and consistency. And I got to see the urgency firsthand when I went to the Avenida one night. And there was a girl who was there for the first time. She couldn't find a job. She didn't have money. And she was there since 7 p.m. We were meeting her at about 10 p.m., 10.30. And she hadn't had any clients at all. And we got to pray for her and minister over her. And she ended up leaving the streets right away. <laughs> and she contacted one of our team members later on, the, on during the week. And she had found a job. And she was doing good. So it was amazing to see God doing that. But we've also been growing in discipleship in all of our ministries. Yeah, we had we had this house in the community for one year and a half and or so. And uh, but the owner asked the house back, so now we are without a place. We are looking for a new place because God has like sending so he's sending so much people, so many like of his sons and daughters like to come and to learn more about him. We are doing the discipleship with the women, Larissa, and some of the, the staffs and the volunteers are doing this discipleship with them, and they are growing 
and it's it's been so so amazing. We also have the discipleship with the teenagers and with the kids. The teenagers on the Saturday afternoon with the football, and also at night on the Tuesdays, and with the kids in a Saturday morning. So it's it's been really good. Like on a football, sometimes we're receiving around 50, 40, 50 kids, and like the base. The base is not like a place that can't fit everyone anymore. So we are splitting them. We are taking, we're leaving some of the base and taking some to the beach. And we are doing like an open air uh, discipleship. So it's been really nice. We're not, we don't have material things to give to them. And that's nice because they keep coming. And we see that it's like spiritual hunger that is growing inside of them. Mm-hmm. And like the, the, the knowing like God and like feeling loved and that's what we give, we, we have to give to them mm-hmm. so it's been really special so it's one of the things that we are praying about that God will send a new place for us mm-hmm. and we're gonna do not just the discipleship but also things that will make them grow like making comments and yeah so it's been really excited to see like the growing yeah on Monday nights we have a service at our base as well and I've been working with the children along with some of the, the team as well and one day I was teaching them about healing and all of the kids that were there that just happened to be all the missionary kids, they all had a testimony of when they prayed for someone and saw someone get healed because they prayed for them. And for those of you that know me know how much that's a passion in my heart to see kids encountering God and knowing that God can use them. And that's a dream that we have for our daughter, for Sophia, who just turned one. Um, but we also want to see the kids in the community knowing that God is real and He's alive and He can use them as well. And we, yeah. Yeah. And like we have this connection now with the pastor in the, in the community and it's been really amazing like to see someone in the community that has the same heart mm-hmm. like that we have. So to see like the kids growing up and uh, like being so passionate for God. So it's been really nice and we are trying like to connect more and stay more together and like show them like how we are all like just one family. And as we're all one family, we are coming to see you guys in August. So we will be arriving August 13th and leaving September 5th. And we are really excited to see you and spend time with you guys to that time. Really excited to see you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's it for now. Yeah. You guys have a wonderful Sunday. We love you all. We love you. Bye. Bye. Isn't that that lovely? And uh, I love, did you hear the cock crowing in the background? I love that. And as they said, they'll be here, which is wonderful. And no, you guys are, there there is another trip planned for next year, isn't there? Where is it? You were talking about one. Is it happening? Definitely. In sometime next year. Great. Talk to Edward and the team who went out before. Um, one other video I want to show you, which is it's funny. I've got a video from Paul. He's normally here, but he's not here today. Um, and so I asked, because of what we were talking about, Paul and Katie uh, and their family, as you know, are another of our global partners. They live here. They spend a lot of time training and working with people in the Middle East who are outreaching to Muslims. And As Nigel shares about missions this morning, and last week we took some time to pray for the persecuted church. Just to share a little bit about what I'll be up to this coming week. Sorry I can't be with you this morning. As you watch this video, at that very moment, I will be flying out to Ethiopia. I've been doing a lot in Ethiopia over the last few years. We've been sending people out two by two to share Jesus with Muslims. And we've seen hundreds to thousands of Muslims come to Jesus, as well as numerous fellowships established. 
One of my main aims is just to meet with a man I oversee out there called Amias. Some of you would have met him when he came through three or four years ago. It's been quite a tough few months with some of the people that we've been training and one of them got killed. Thankfully three days later he got raised from the dead without anybody praying for him. But some of the other believers have had increased um, oppression as the various mosques in the villages where they live have been asking them to return and drawing attention to them following Jesus. And then Tuesday I'll be flying out to Ethiopia to another country which unfortunately I can't tell you um, on video just for security reasons. It's a country that has been closed for years and years and just recently in November it opened again to Westerners. And I really felt God say that I should go there and pray. Now you can pray anywhere, but I felt it was important to actually go and pray on the land and cry out for that country to open and God to move in that country amongst the Muslim population. Currently I have no idea where I will be staying. I've been trying for a few days. So I'll be going to a country where I don't know the language. I got nobody to meet me and I have nowhere to stay that night. So pray that that will go really well. I also will be trying to meet and encourage and just some of the few church leaders that are there. Currently there aren't very many because over half of them in the last month have been put in prison. So again just pray for opportunities to meet them, to encourage them and for them just to know that they're not alone, that crazy people like me are going out to their countries just so that we can pray and ask God to move and to bless them. So have a great Sunday and really appreciate your prayers this coming week. Thanks, Paul. That's great. Um, uh, we've already mentioned uh, Karis Kids. Will has already mentioned the event. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, this is a great event to bring your kids to. And that film that he mentioned, I mean, it, it, it's reasonably family friendly. It's not too shocking, but it does show some of what goes on there. And it's a really good way to get, if you've never been there, you just can't really describe what it's like in the slums of Kampala. But that film goes a good way towards helping us understand. And so that's a really, uh, that's a really highly recommended event. And, you know, probably from about the age of nine or ten downwards, uh, upwards, they, they, would, they would be fine uh, watching that film. Um, and again, I'd encourage you, and also with Karis Kids, just to say that... Um, Edward has let me know that we have three current vacancies to support existing families that are in the program. Two are at the £10 a month plus gift age stage, and one is at the £14 a month plus gift age plus gift aid. And uh, so there are three particular vacancies if you think that you might want to get involved, speak to Edward. Um, in addition, there is always an opportunity to take on an additional family. The cost of sponsoring or supporting a whole family is about £62 a month. Um, if you want information, speak to Edward and come, come and have a chat at the desk afterwards. And um, I think I've already mentioned everything else. I mentioned Johnny and Beth's uh, thing. They're going to be starting a prayer meeting. Lastly, Romania. Um, our team are going to Romania again in August and we will hear from them. Stephen and Amy and Nikki will come and tell us a little bit about that in the next few weeks before they head off. Um, who is going on that trip? Anybody, who, who else is going on that trip? Just raise your hand. Fantastic. So there's a few people going to Romania in the summer. We'll hear about that over the next few weeks. Um, but what I would love us to do now is I'd love us to pray. Um, and so what I would, um, this is how we're going to do this. 
Um, I'm going to put all five up there. I'd just love to take a couple of minutes. Um, now, if you are up for this, I would love you just to turn and pray with the people that you're sitting with. If that fills you with horror and you're not the kind of person who either likes to pray out loud or wants to pray with the people who you're sitting next to, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. So just feel free to sit and pray quietly on your own. That's absolutely fine too if you want to move and move around. And I'm just going to invite us to do this for two or three minutes. The, the responses to this morning, we will have a, an opportunity to receive ministry in a, in a couple of minutes' time, but the responses for this morning are mainly practical. You know, if we're already in relationship with one of our partners, then let's pray for them and let's, you know, maybe go home from today and write them an email or a message and just say, hey, we prayed for you today. We're thinking of you, you know. Uh, let's pray for them now anyway. And, me- and maybe let's also consider if we want to support them anymore. Perhaps the worship guys will come back um, and as they do that, why don't you just turn into twos and threes and just pray for whichever of these people comes to your mind, uh, however you want to pray. Let's just take two or three minutes to do that and then I'll call us together. Worship guys, why don't you come up and start to play? You, um, just as you bring those prayers to a close, um, I just want to, yeah, I just want to give you a moment to do that, and then kind of look back this way. I want to, I want to commission all of us actually. So in a minute, I would love us to all. Can you put those words back up for me, Mark? In a minute, I would love us to pray these words, just all of us, because we are all commissioned and sent out. And I'd love us just to stand together and do that in a second. Um, but just before we do that I also want to say there are probably some people here if I know there will be some people here and you know that more than what I'm talking about in our local 
environment and your everyday life, which is really important, you know that God is talking to you about something more dramatic than that. Maybe you're sitting on the words that the Lord has said over your life and you know that it's a significant call to ministry, either here or abroad. You know it means life-changing decisions and you just don't know when. Maybe you're in the middle of waiting and you're needing to wait. Why don't we stand together? And if that's you, um, we would love to pray for you this morning. I'm going to call you out in a second. If that's you, and you know that God has spoken a significant word on your life about a, about a, about a, a potentially life-changing call to ministry. Maybe it's church planting. Maybe it's to do with going to another country. Maybe God, you know that God is just talking to you about leadership in some way. And if that's you, I'm going to call you out in a minute and we'd love to just pray for you. You don't have to come, of course, but we would love to pray and bless what God is doing um, in you. And if you want to respond to that call, that would be wonderful. But just before we do that, I'd like us all to pray this prayer together. And all I want you to do is pray the words in big, the send us out words, okay? Because actually all of us are called, all of us are sent, and all of us are commissioned. And I want to commission all of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you fancy this, take your hand, put it either on your head or your heart so you can pray for yourself, okay? <laughs> or, or both. <laughs> and let's just say these words together. Dear God, send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. And now let's do it once more and let's do it like we mean it. Dear Lord, send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. And just because I like things in threes, we'll, we'll pretend that we're Anglicans and we'll do it really well, okay? One, two, three. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and, and Holy Spirit, empower us to do that, we pray. As we go from here to the places where you send us every day, every week, the ordinary, the monotonous, the dull, the Monday morning, the here and now, Wherever you've called us, we want to be sent. I'm commissioning you now, church, to go to the places where God has called you to be and to live and work in the power of the Holy Spirit and to be scattered servants and to bring the presence of God that you've experienced here today into the everyday places of tomorrow. I bless you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, those of you who want to respond to that other call, if you feel like God is speaking to you or has spoken to you about significant mission or significant leadership or significant calling, we would just love to pray for you. There's no, we won't ask you lots of questions. We'd just love to pray and bless what God is doing. So if that's you, why don't you come out to the front? Why don't you come now? And why don't we have some church people come and pray for you as well? Come on, step out. I know there's more than one of you. Thank you. Bless you. Just come. Just come just come the guys are going to continue to worship to lead us in worship if you haven't yet got your kids please do go and get them and uh, encourage and thank the guys who have been praying for them and serving them bless you for that bless them for that don't forget there's coffee and tea and snacks don't forget the uh, lecture on Deuteronomy tonight we will see you at 7 o'clock for the uh, the one-off lecture on exploring Deuteronomy we would love to see you there or we'll see you next Sunday God bless have a great Sunday. Bless you guys.